Welcome to season four of the podcast, A Voice for the Hurting. This season is dedicated entirely to the divorced Christian. If this is you, then keep listening to hear more of my own story and the stories of others as we give you hope and comfort for healing, true healing, which is found only at the foot of the cross. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Michelle Bankston. Uh, who's an author and podcaster of the podcast, Your Hope-Filled Perspective. She's here today to talk to us about dealing with pain. Hello, doctor. (laughs) Hi, Lori. It's so good to see you. It's wonderful to see you. I'm so honored to be on your podcast because I think this topic of pain is one that so so many people struggle with, and yet we don't talk about it enough. Exactly. Yeah. And as I said earlier, before our recording, that's the heart of my podcast is to help people to bring light to those things that we usually keep in the darkness. I think if we were to be in a room somewhere between 50 and 100 people, I would say that if people were being honest, the vast majority would admit to going through some kind of pain. But I think it's real important that we acknowledge that pain is not just about physical pain. There's emotional pain and relational pain and even financial pain. Yes. Sometimes for some of us, even spiritual pain. And then the area that very few people talk about is the idea that there's also the possibility of secondary pain, which is when we're going through one of those types of pain, and then someone says something or does something that makes us feel guilty, or makes us feel like we're not doing enough. And so they inflict this secondary pain, when we're already crushed under the weight of pain. So it's so important that we look at the gamut of pain. And when we do that, I think the vast majority can relate to it. I agree. And thank you for already bringing up the fact that it is this broad variety because we tend to hear the word pain and we think of physical pain, but it's not just that. Well, I think we think of physical pain first because that's probably the most universal. That's the type of pain that people are willing to acknowledge because there's not really any stigma. I mean, if you break your leg, you're going to have physical pain. Even if you just get a hangnail, it's that itchy physical pain, you know, but that's the one that people can relate to the most and that they're willing to talk about the most. It's harder, I think, to find places where we can acknowledge emotional pain or relationship pain, or even spiritual pain. And we feel that disconnect with God. And we have those questions, where are you when I hurt? So I'm grateful for podcasts like yours, where we can actually delve into it, acknowledge that it's there, and then walk through how can we walk through it together with hope. Yes, wonderful. Thank you for that. Yeah, actually, so let's talk really quick about the title of your book. Um, so this is when what I'm super excited about, because um, your book is titled The Hem of His Garment, Reaching Out to God When Pain Overwhelms. And as you know, we're in the middle of a season for me, as for my podcast about talking about divorce and how much pain we can be in from, like you said, an emotional or spiritual level. So tell me about your book. The idea behind this book is that we have so many 
biblical examples of people who went through pain, but they had to wait in many times for their healing to come. And that's what we want more than anything. When we're in a state of pain, we just want God to take it away. And yet there are some people like Paul who experienced pain and he begged God to take it away. And God said, that's not the best thing for you. Yes. Have what you really need. You don't know that you need this, but I have what you really need. And I've gone through a season of intense pain, physical pain, emotional pain, relational pain, spiritual pain, and even that secondary pain inflicted by others. And this book is much different from my previous books because my previous books took a topic of something that I've gone through and I've healed from. Yeah. The hem of his garment was really birthed out of my journey of what do we do while we're waiting for God to heal? So it was written in the crucible of pain. It was written to my readers saying, I'm right there with you. And I don't want you to feel alone. But the whole idea is based on the idea that God wants us to keep pursuing him even when we're in the middle of the pain. And that's why it's called the hem of his garment, because in my own pain, I was probably most encouraged by the woman with the issue of blood. Yes. Years and years and years. And if I put myself in her shoes, scripture doesn't talk about all these facets, but if I put myself in her sandals is probably a more accurate description. (laughs) I think, Lori, she probably went through all those types of pain. Yes. Pain, emotional pain. Where is God when I hurt and I see God healing other people? Why is he not healing me? And relationship pain because she was made to be an outcast. Yes. Financial pain because she spent all of her money pursuing doctors and scripture tells us and got worse. Yeah. And that spiritual pain of God, where are you? as well as secondary pain that we can assume was inflicted on her by people around her in her culture who deemed her unclean and cast her out. Yes. That's why the book is called The Hem of His Garment, because I want us to be like that unnamed woman. I want us to put our own name in for her lack of name and continue reaching out to God while we're waiting for the resolution of our pain. That is so beautiful. I just love the idea of all of that. Um, Really quick, just in case someone is not familiar with that story, can you tell us exactly what happens with that lady? This is an unnamed woman. She is just called the woman with the issue of blood. And she had a disease. We're not sure what it was, but she bled daily for over a decade. In that time and in that culture, when a woman was bleeding, she was deemed to be unclean and she was ostracized until after that result. So this is a woman who was ostracized from her culture for over a decade. And she did everything she knew to do to try to become healed. She went to doctor after doctor after doctor, spent all of her money, and scripture tells us she just kept getting worse. But then she shows up in Matthew, and what we know about her is that she was so persistent 
that she just knew she knew Jesus was coming to town and she knew if she could just touch the very hem of his garment, her faith was big enough that she knew she would be healed. And so she went out of hiding, basically, and went into the crowd and reached in and just touched the bottom of his garment. And immediately she was healed. And immediately Jesus knew power had gone out from him. And so he asked his disciples, he asked the people around him, who touched me? Mm -hmm. And the disciples are like, Jesus, you are in a crowd of people. We have no idea. How would we know who touched you? Yeah. But she developed courage and she said, it was me. And he then, this is the most beautiful statement. He then says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Amen. She wasn't clamoring for his attention. She didn't claw up his garment. She didn't feel like she had to get in his face and hold on to his face and demand a healing. Yeah. She just used her faith and reached out and he rewarded her faith. But what I think is so beautiful about that story is that was a really hard fought journey. And for most of us, when we go through painful trials, they last much longer than we we would like for them to last. But what we can learn out of our story is to remain faithful, to do what we know to do, to keep our faith in God and to remain persistent, asking him for his touch and his healing in our situation. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I love, I, I'm excited to read your book. <laughs> so, um, cause that's the thing. So when you have been through some of these great emotional hurts, there's some pain. It's like, it goes away little by little. You know what I mean? It doesn't just disappear. It doesn't like most of us at least don't have this miraculous moment. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like layers to an onion. Yes, exactly. The layer gets healed. But, but then we have a new fresh layer that we need healing and then that gets healed. But sometimes in the middle of the healing, something else happens and it, it brings that pain up again. Yes, absolutely. Um, so do you mind sharing a little bit of your own personal story that helped you get to the point where you wrote this? I would have to tell your listeners that out of all the pains I listed, I've gone through all of them. I've gone through chronic physical pain. And here's the ironic piece of that is that I have significant bone degeneration. And so anything that I do that turns my neck, turns my head, raises my shoulders, it's like it's like bone against bone and mm-hmm. it, it feels like fire. And so writing a book is probably one of the worst things that I could do in terms of exacerbating that physical pain because right. I'm constantly looking down and and have my arms extended. So it was interesting to write a book about pain when the very act of writing increased my physical pain. Right. But I've gone through significant emotional pain. I've shared in in my other books that I've gone through clinical depression, even as a clinical neuropsychologist, with all the alphabet soup after my name, I've gone through clinical depression. I've gone through significant anxiety. I was raised in a home with a mother who was depressed my entire childhood. Yeah, There was emotional pain with her. I've gone through relationship pain, pain where I've really invested myself in relationships and they've 
disappeared or basically I've gone through like friendship divorce and I'm left going what what just happened yeah like we were we were thick as thieves we were close and and then I'm left with that pain it's almost like a death how do you recover after that I've gone through betrayal from office staff we've gone through financial difficulty We've, I've gone through being the caregiver of someone in pain. My husband's had cancer three times. I've had mm -hmm. cancer multiple times. So there's that physical pain. And with that, at times has come significant spiritual pain where I've really been left kind of like Job crying out and saying, Lord, don't you care? Yeah. Lord, where, where are you? And why, when I'm in the most pain, does it feel like you are the furthest away yes Lord when I know you can heal why do you tarry why do you choose not to and then I have certainly gone through the gamut of secondary pain yeah. where people have had their opinions of what caused our cancer and what would be the best treatment for it and and it's left me feeling even worse about the pain I was already going through and that's why all those different pains are talked about in the hem of his garment, because even though we perhaps can relate to what physical pain feels like the most, in my experience, all of those other types of pain were just as bad, if not worse than physical pain. Right. And so I really want to give a voice to people to say, this is real. And we need to talk about it. And please, please don't go through it alone because that's one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to isolate us in our pain. Yes. Help us feel shame. And when we do that, then we don't avail ourselves of support. And that's why I'm so proud of you for addressing this, about talking about the pain of divorce because it hurts. And with the pain of divorce, then comes emotional pain and relationship pain and spiritual pain and financial pain, as well as secondary pain. So I'm glad that you're giving a voice to this so that we can give other people hope because this is not going away. Right. But we can link arms with each other to help each other through it. That's right. Oh, I have so many things that I want to say from everything you just said now. <laughs> now, where do I start? Um, so first, actually, I really want you to talk about the idea of spiritual pain, um, because I think that um, we probably, most of us understand that there's emotional pain and all of these other things, but I don't know that most of us have put a name to spiritual pain. So tell me what that is. I think if people are honest, they're afraid to talk about spiritual pain, even to some degree to acknowledge that it exists. But spiritual pain is that pain that comes when we're forced to confront our questions about our faith and about our God and what we know to be true that gets colored by our perception from the other types of pain. Yes. But probably the best example I could give your listeners is in the book of Job. And Job and I spent years together <laughs> because I felt having gone through all those types of pain, I was, people would 
jokingly say, Michelle, you're like a modern day Jobette. And I'm like, please don't speak that over me. <laughs> right. But on the other hand, I was like, I can really relate to Job. Now, the part of Job's story I cannot relate to is we read in Job 1 1 where Job was blameless and upright and you know, God could find no fault in Job. I can't relate to that at all. I mess up every day. But what I love about the story of Job is that he was blameless and upright. And yet God still allowed him to experience every one of those types of pain that we're talking about. That's to right. the point that his friends were like, you must have done something wrong mm -hmm. because otherwise God wouldn't bring this upon you. Well, first of all, God didn't bring it upon Job. That's right. God did allow the enemy to bring it upon Job. And it's interesting because Job experienced physical pain. He had sores all over his body. He experienced financial pain. He lost all of his livestock and all of his servants. He went through grief and mourning. He had relationship pain because his friends are telling him what they he should have done and what he did to cause it. And then he's we've got Mrs. Job who just says, curse God and die. Right. So he went through all of this, including spiritual pain. And that was your question. But for Job, he finally, finally got to that point where he's like, God, how could you allow this to happen to me? Like curse the day I was even born. And, and we may not use those terms, but I have certainly been to the place where I was like, God, if you don't do something, I don't know that I can go through one more day, right. one more moment like this without believing that you're on my side. And that's basically what Job said. But the beautiful part about Job's story is that Job had questions for God and it was okay. God is big enough to handle our questions. God, yes. why did you allow this to happen? God, where were you when this happened? God, if you really care, why don't you heal? Why don't you change so-and-so? Why didn't you protect me? Yes. And Job brought his questions to God. And then God kind of gave Job his resume. Here's who I am. Like, who do you think you are? And years ago, I used to go, oh, well, then I can't, I can't, I can't ask God these questions because I don't want him to go, Michelle, who in the heck do you think you are? <laughs> Look at who I am. Right. The beautiful thing is that while God never answered Job's question about why, yeah. God answered the question that he knew was more important for Job to understand the answer. And that is, God, who are you in my pain and my suffering? That's and right. God does that a lot. A lot of times he doesn't answer. We see this over and over and over again in the Bible with Jesus. Jesus often didn't answer the question that was asked. Right. He answered the question that he knew was more important for them to have the answer to. Yes. That's what I love about the story of Job because he went through spiritual pain. He questioned God. And he had to determine for himself whether or not he was going to believe what he knew about God, or was he going to believe all these things that his friends and his wife told him? Right. And still at the end, we hear he was blameless and upright. His faith carried him through. Yes. And that's what I'm hoping through this book and through this conversation is that we realize that even when God doesn't answer our questions, 
even when we don't get the resolution to the pain that we hope for, that we can still have faith in God's character when we can't see his hand at work. Yes. Oh, amen to that. So I feel like that's a perfect lead in to um, those miserable comforters and all of those other people causing that secondary pain then, right? Because that's exactly what all of that is. They, um, What do you say to someone who wants to support their friend who's in pain? And, you know, how do you not cause secondary pain? First of all, I think that the key is where our heart is. Yes. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. That is scriptural. I, I would go back to the story of Job. Job's friends were wonderful and they came and they sat with Job in his suffering. They were present in his suffering and they didn't say a word for a week. Yes. It was only when they opened up their mouths and started blaming him and giving him advice about what he should do. That's when they got in trouble. And so my answer for how do we support a friend who's in pain? First of all, be present. Mm -hmm. Second of all, check your heart to make sure that you're not puffed up with pride thinking you know all the answers that God hasn't even given them yet. Right. Sometimes God does give us a word in due season and he does give us a scripture verse that can be encouraging. But even then, I would say sometimes being silently present communicates so much more respect than trying to have all the answers. Yes. But pray for them. Ask them specifically, how can I pray for you today? What is your greatest need today? And pray, send them a written out prayer that they can go back and read. Or some of my most fervent prayer supporters occasionally will send me a voice text so I can hear them praying. And sometimes God will give you a scripture verse. But I even talk in the book about sometimes it's more hurtful to get what I call Bible band-aids. Yeah. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Right. That is true. Mm -hmm. When you are hurting because you are in the midst of a painful divorce, right. it's not helpful. That's it right. Comes across like you have no idea what this pain and suffering is like. So I'm very careful about saying offer, you know, offer scripture. It is helpful, but you can be helpful by praying that scripture over them. Lord, we know that we can all do all things through. Christ who strengthens us, help so-and-so to yes. feel your strength today when they are feeling weak. So yes. we can still pray scripture over them, but it the, the tone is different, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I would offer practical help. Please, please don't say, if you need anything, <laughs> let me know. Because the person who is going through pain, any of those types of pain, just to have to think of what I need and yeah. to voice it is just one more burden that adds to the weight of our pain. Yes. What's more helpful is to say, I'm stopping at the grocery store this afternoon. Is there anything you need that I can pick up and leave on your porch for you? Yes. 
I'm bringing dinner. Would you like spaghetti or would you like fettuccine Alfredo? And is Wednesday better or Thursday? So you're, they don't have to make any decision other than Wednesday's great. And my kids love spaghetti. Yes. I'm picking my kids up from school. Can I pick up your kids as well? So yeah. that it's one less thing you have to carry. Be very practical, but please don't say, if you ever need anything, let me know. Because the majority of the time, we're not going to let you know. That's right. Because the other thing that happens is, even if we have a pressing need, and I had this happen when my husband had cancer, I would only ask for help when I, it was an emergency. Yeah. And what happened several times is I reached out to those people who offered help. I told them what I needed and they said, no, they couldn't do it. And that shut me down. Then I was not going to risk that pain and humiliation again. Right. Better if you can be very practical and offer what you can do. I had someone say, I know that the last thing that you have time to think about is clean sheets on your bed. If you will put out your dirty sheets on your porch on Monday morning, I will bring them back washed and folded. We don't even have to interact. I will just leave them by your front door. That's beautiful. That was the best help ever because I wanted clean sheets, but I couldn't manage it with chemo appointments and picking up the kids from school and making sure that they had somewhat of a balanced meal. It was pizza. So very practical in your suggestions. That's wonderful. That honestly makes me think about the verses that talk about faith in action. It's yeah, it's not just those trite little words that sound good to us. It's that real gritty in in it with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that undergirds our strength. You know, when we feel like people are in it with us, without judging us yeah then even if just for a few moments we feel like okay I can make it through the next five minutes and and you know Lori when you're going through a time of real significant pain any of those types of pain you know people will very tritely say just one day at a time Mm -hmm. and I remember when my husband was first diagnosed with cancer and I I just looked at my boss and I said who are we kidding there are times I'm praying to God, just help me make it through the next five minutes. Yes. That's what real pain feels like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so amazing. Um, so on the flip side of that, what would you say to someone who's dealing with the people that are giving the trade answers? How is there something we can do to help them realize that it's not helpful? <laughs> There are several things, but the very first thing that I would say is that, you know, we have a very real enemy and he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and he seeks to divide us. We're seeing that all over the world right now. I mean, I've never known so much division, even within the family of God. Right. So what I've had to learn, and it was very difficult, but when people say, or they do those things that are hurtful. And they just heap on that secondary pain. I first have a choice whether or not to pick up an offense. True. And the enemy would love for us to live offended. Mm -hmm. And what I've come to realize through my own pain, as well as others, is that we really can't expect other people to understand what this feels like 
if they haven't gone through it. I was a doctor for over a decade counseling people with depression and anxiety before I went through it myself. Yeah. Plenty of answers, but let me tell you, I was a much better doctor after I had to go through it myself because then I could speak from a place of empathy and compassion and really understanding, even if our situations were different. So be real careful not to judge your friends and family too harshly if they aren't meeting your needs the way you need them met. And as hard as it is when we are in a place of pain, sometimes it is up to us to communicate what would be helpful. So you can go back to friends and family and say, you offered help. Here's the areas that I most need help now. Grace to you if this does not work with your time, your schedule, your finances. Yes. But you asked, and here's what would be helpful. And I've had to have difficult conversations with people before when they've said things or done things. And I've had to say, you know, in all honesty, that just heaps guilt and shame when I'm already hurting. It would be helpful if you would not make those comments to me. It's a real hard place to come from, especially when we're already hurting. But when we're in continuous relationship with them, we almost owe it to them to teach them how to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the pain. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for those of us who are are in the middle of that painful experience, um, what words of wisdom would you give for that? I've got several. I've got several do's and several don'ts, and they are not intended at all to add another level of burden. Right. Let's talk about the don'ts first, because these are hard learned, but don't live in regret. Mm. When you are going through a difficult circumstance, whether it's divorce or you've had an abortion or you have a prodigal child or whatever those areas of pain are, please recognize that shame, guilt, and regret come from the enemy. He's always taking us back to what we didn't do, who we aren't, what we should have done better. And remember that guilt and shame and regret don't come from God. God says there is therefore now no condemnation. Yes, amen. He knows we can only do the best that we can today, but hopefully our best will be a little bit better tomorrow. So don't live in regret. Try to the degree that you're capable, not to make any big decisions when you're dealing with any of these kinds of pain. Now, I know that's difficult, especially like we're talking about the pain of divorce. Sometimes you're forced to make some big decisions, but if you don't have to make them, wait until you've gotten a little bit of healing because our judgment is clouded. It is. Put off the decisions that are not 100% crucial right now. There'll be plenty of time for decisions later. Please don't isolate. Yes. Isolation just heaps on more pain. It's a different form of relational pain. It's a different form of spiritual pain, but please don't isolate. Now, I would also say don't overshare. So you go, 
So Michelle, you're saying don't isolate, but don't overshare. Like, what does that mean? I mean, don't stay away from those who will provide support. But what I have found is that unfortunately, a lot of people just want to be in the know. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people want to gossip. And a lot of people, when they know too many details, which was our case, that's when they can come and say, well, this is how you caused it, or this is what you should do to fix it. People don't need to know all the details. And I've had plenty of people say, well, I could just pray better if I knew. (laughs) I understand if your pain is in your foot, okay, they can pray specifically for your foot. Right. The other side of the coin is, don't you think God already knows what's going on? Like God doesn't really need you to know for him to answer a prayer. That's right. I have learned the hard way. Don't overshare. And if you're going through these types of pain, don't overextend yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're going through a divorce, this is a time where you, you've got limited capacity. So now might be the time to step back from teaching Sunday school, unless that fuels you, or now might be the time to step back from being on that prayer chain mm-hmm. or from being the room mom for your kids' classes. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that this has to be this way forever. But right now, while you're dealing with extra stressors, be good to yourself and learn to say no so that you can say yes to what's most crucial. Yes. And don't give up. Please don't give up. Where you are and what you are going through right now is a chapter in your life, but it is not the whole story. It is not the whole book. So please don't give up thinking this is going to be forever. There's a scripture written in Isaiah, and I can't remember the exact reference. I think it's Isaiah 40 or 41, but it it says, when you go through the waters, they will not overtake you. When you go through the river, you will not drown. When you go through the fires, you will not be burned. Yes. What I take from that is God is saying, we're going to have seasons. Yes but you're not meant to stay there. You will go through it. And so go through it, holding on to God's hands. Amen. So the, some of the key don'ts, but let's really quick, <laughs> really yeah. quick. Um, if anyone wants to find that and highlight it, cause I know it by heart, um, it's Isaiah 43. And that's at the very beginning of the chapter. It's the first couple of verses. <laughs> so yes, yeah. highlight it, write it on your refrigerator. Write it on your refrigerator. Um, Keep it on your dashboard. Yes. Absolutely. That got me through some very hard times is knowing those verses. So isn't that interesting that that one verse, that one word within the verse makes all the difference. Yes. Amen. It does. So we talked about some don'ts. Let's talk about some healthy do's. One of them I alluded to earlier, and that is take one moment at a time. If you look at next week, or you look at next month, or you look at next year, it's overwhelming. And we don't really know what's going to happen that far in advance. So, you know, scripture says, let's not borrow worry from tomorrow. So try to take one moment. And sometimes that means just whispering, Jesus, help me in this moment. Yes. And he will. He will. And then help you with the next and the next and the next. Do remember that you are not alone. The enemy wants us to think nobody understands, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. You're going to be embarrassed if people find out about this. But the truth is, first of all, we always have God 
And I love the scripture verse that says he bends down to listen. He inclines his ear. So you are not alone, but also find those core two or three very supportive people that you can text an SOS when things are so bad, you just need them to pray. All you text is SOS and they'll pray right then. Please don't try to go it alone. We were not created to do that. That's right. Get that prayerful support. But here's something I learned the hard way, whether we're talking physical pain or emotional or relational or spiritual or financial, sometimes we need to forgive ourselves and, or we need to forgive others. Yes. We need to forgive ourselves for not doing things that maybe looking back, we think, oh, we should have done that. Or we need to forgive ourselves for doing things or in our pain, we need to forgive ourselves for speaking harshly to our children or our friends. Forgive yourself and then forgive the others. If they've offended, if they've hurt, if they don't understand, forgive them because that releases an additional weight or burden off you that we're just not meant to carry. That's right. And extend grace to them. Like we were talking about a few minutes ago, other people won't understand if they haven't been through it. That's right. I, I haven't had a child die. So I really cannot relate to that. I can relate to pain, but I don't know that level of grief or mourning. Right. So all I can do is ask God to fill me with what I need to still be able to extend love and compassion without hurting in the process. And please do meditate on God's word every day. Yes. That's when the enemy wants to come in and make you think, well, if God really loved you, he would have healed you by now. Mm -hmm. That's not biblical. We don't know God's timing, but stay in his word. Ask him to give you the additional grace and mercy and strength that you need it through today. These are the kind of prayers that God loves to answer. Yes. And one of the last things that I would say, because I do think it's so important is sometimes when we're hurting, it just feels like our whole world is consumed by that pain. But what I have learned is that sometimes when we're hurting the most, if we will go outside of ourselves and do something for someone else, yes, we actually end up feeling better in the process. Right. And I've had plenty of people saying, but I I don't even have enough energy to take care of myself. I just challenge you to try it. Yes. Because I think that that is something that God will bless. And it doesn't have to be a big thing. Extending ourselves and doing for someone else might be as simple as recognizing the grocery store clerk and saying, I'm so grateful you showed up to work. Yes, exactly. It means so much. So those are some of the do's and don'ts. I have more listed in my book, but those are some of the ones that have helped me the most with each of these different types of pain. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up um, the fact of reaching outside and doing something for someone else. Because so in my own story, um, one of the other things, and maybe you can speak to this as well, that when my marriage and my life fell apart, my prayer life fell apart. And I just felt like the only thing I could say to God was shooting up these little like pity prayers for myself. Right. You know what I mean? And and my prayer life didn't really start to recover until I stopped focusing on myself and started to extend that out and be, be in prayer for other people. Yeah. And it's hard. It is. 
hard when you're hurting so bad because you want your own pain addressed. You want your own healing. You want that resolution. Yes. But I would challenge you because it is biblical. When we focus on others, it does take the attention off of ourselves. And for just a brief moment, we end up feeling better because we're not so inwardly focused. That's right. God's economy is upside down. And so he asks us to do unto others as we would have them to do unto us. And so as we're here in our pity party, wishing that other people would do for us, it's actually scriptural to do for them first. That's right. And then see how he provides. And I promise you, he will. He's such a good and faithful God. He is. Amen. Amen. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with my audience today? The biggest thing is what we touched on, and that is whatever you are going through, God loves you so much, and he usually doesn't cause our pain. We live in a fallen world, Yes, but he wants to walk with us through the pain. Yes. And even if all you can do is say, Jesus, help. That's the kind of prayer he goes, okay, watch me. That's and right. So please don't give up in the middle of the pain because this is not the end of your story. And I think projecting into the future, you will see that you will do just as Lori is doing now and just what I'm doing through my book and my speaking. And that is, we are trying to offer comfort to others who are currently in a painful situation, but we can only offer that comfort because we've seen God do it for ourselves. That's and I right. promise you, if you are trusting God, you will eventually get to that point. Yes. You don't have to put that burden on yourself to do it now, but eventually you'll get to the point where you'll go, I understand. Let's link arms together and let me offer you comfort and hope that I needed when I was in your place. Amen. That's wonderful. So where can my audience find you? Easiest place is my website, which is drmichelleb.com. But I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all the socials under Dr. Michelle Banks. And it's a little hard to spell. So I'll leave it up to you, Lori, to provide that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I will have the correct spelling in the show notes. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for coming on here and talking today. I just know that my audience is going to be so blessed and oh, it's been my joy. I'm so thankful that you're doing this series thank because you. so many people need it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of a voice for the hurting. You can follow me on Instagram for more inspiring content at voice for the hurting podcast, or check out the website at a voice for the hurting.com. If you or someone you know is experiencing a divorce or has gone through one and knows that they need to heal, please check out my book on Amazon called Surviving the Shattered Heart, The Christian's Companion for Healing After Divorce. It is available February 28th of 2023.